Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. So many questions, you know. We just want to help you. We're here to help you. We're your biggest fans. Don't, don't get caught flat-footed at lunch today when everybody's like, we're going to pray, who's going to do it? Uh, if you'll invite me to lunch, I'll pray. Uh, so just throwing it out there. I don't have any plans yet. Uh, in this world, everyone prays. Everyone prays. I've got an atheist buddy of mine that told me the other day that he was praying. I was like, time out. Whoa, what do you mean you were praying? And he just said, listen, man, so, like just in case, you know, like sometimes your back's up against the wall, you're having a difficulty, like just in case there is a God, I need to throw it out there just so I'm in good standing, just in case. Um, you know who prays a lot? Buddhists pray a lot. Uh, Buddhists have different gods that they worship, and they pray to each god. And so people that, that, that pray a lot are Buddhists. Um, Muslims pray a lot. One of the five pillars of Islam is prayer. It's mandatory if you're a practicing Muslim to pray five times a day. Uh, and they, they bow down and kneel down facing in a certain direction towards Mecca when they pray. They pray at dawn, morning, noon, afternoon, and evenings. Mandatory for them. You don't know who prays a lot? Muslims pray a lot. You know who also prays every time they're together? Congress. Like, I don't know if that's what you're shooting for or, or I don't know if you've ever heard those people or seen what they're doing, but they open up every session with prayer. We, we're in, a, we're in a, a world right now, even in 2019, I know people say, oh, it's kind of, a lot of people don't like God or it's pretty secular, but it, man, everybody prays. Everybody prays, and I'm, and I'm worried about something. I'm worried that as we end this 21 days of prayer, we're going to have a night of prayer tonight that I want to invite you guys to. As we end this sermon series on airplane mode for the last four weeks, now this will be week number four that we've been talking about prayer, my concern, of a very serious concern, is that the people in this room would actually leave here today committed to pray more. It's the last thing I want to happen. There are some of you as a result of this series, that you're going to make a commitment to actually be more disciplined in your prayer life. And I'm worried that you may actually leave here and believe that the end goal, the destination of what Jesus has called us to do, is to simply pray. And if your goal or your idea of moving forward or your belief that the calling that God has placed on your life to grow in your spiritual life, if you believe that you just need to pray more or pray better or pray longer, that makes you no different than every other religious and non-religious person in the world today. You and Congress right here together. The goal is not to pray more. You're not going to read in Scripture where God just said, well, you just need to pray more, or you need to pray harder, or you need to pray longer, or, or you, you just need to be known as a man or a woman of, of prayer. If that's your goal, just to be known as a man or a woman of prayer, then you're just like every other religious person in the world. And that's why this whole series has been not a series on prayer, not like prayer series, or not bow your hands and, or heads and bow your fold them, you know the rules, like don't do all that, like it's been airplane mode, because here's, here's what we're trying to push people towards, 
I'm not pushing you towards praying more or praying better or praying longer or having a better prayer life. This idea about airplane mode is are we disconnecting our lives so that we can connect to the one true God through prayer? It's not about prayer. It's about connecting with God. It's not about prayer. Everybody prays. Religions all over the world pray. What makes us different as followers of Jesus is not that we are men and women that pray more or pray better or pray longer or pray the right prayers. What makes us different is when we pray, we actually connect with the one true living God and we hear Him and we do what He says to do. That's our goal. Not to just pray more, not to just have a disciplined prayer life or have a set time of day or set words that you pray. Be sure to do it before every meal and before you go to bed at night. And if somebody puts you on the spot and asks you, that's not what I'm asking. I want to look at two prayers today. I don't don't want to be at a loss for this whole series. I don't want you to walk out and think, well, I'm going to pray more. And that's exactly what we need to do. Two prayers, if you have your Bible. We're going to do 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at two prayers together that I think illustrate this point perfectly of what this prayer life, what this ability to disconnect with the world and connect with God and hear from Him Every day, what this concept looks like. First Kings chapter 18. Let me give you the background real quick. This story is about a, a king named Ahab and his crew. Not the Ahab from Moby Dick. Different story, different Ahab. King Ahab in Scripture was a king that formally worshipped God, loved God, followed God, but switched teams. Now, in First Kings 18, he's following and worshipping the God of Baal. And he's led his entire kingdom to worship a false god. The one true God of the Bible sees that. He sends this pastor, this preacher named Elijah, and says, hey, you need, to, you need to call this guy in check. You know, this guy, used, King Ahab, used to follow me. Now he's leading his kingdom to follow a lot of other weird gods. Like, you need to go and tell him what the deal is. And so he sent this man named Elijah to him. And we pick up the story in verse 17. It says, when, uh, when King Ahab saw Elijah come, and he says in verse 17, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Elijah's response in verse 18, I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. Bring the 450 prophets of Baal and bring the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezreel's table and we're going to settle this once and for all. Now I don't know how you read the Bible, but when I read it, I'm imagining this is a playground fight scene right here. I'm taking it back to elementary school and King Ahab and his crew are by the swing set and all of a sudden they're looking out there and there's somebody walking from around the jungle gym. Who is that? It's Elijah. The man of God. And Ahab shouts across the playground. He says, oh, is, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And all Ahab's boys are like, oh, no, he didn't. It's name calling. No, he got, did you hear? He calls you troubler of Israel. Oh, you got to be, I bet you won't hit him. Right, and so it fights. Is that how y'all read the Bible? Just me? Okay, all right. Inside into me. Elijah says, oh, we're going to name call. Okay, because it's actually, no, I'm not the troubler of Israel. It's you and your dad. <laughs> Now, you know how to elevate a fight in elementary school? Start talking about your mama. You start talking about somebody's mom or somebody's dad, and that's, like, that's just too far. You don't talk about Mama Klein like that. Mama Klein's a saint. You will not talk about my mom. You will not badmouth her. He's like, no, nah, you know what? 
it's not me. I'm not in trouble. It's you and your daddy and your mom. And all the playgrounds like, oh, no, he's talking about your mama. Can you believe that? Oh, no, he didn't. Don't let him talk about your mama like that. Do something. Step up. That's in there. <laughs> and so Elisha says, all right, well, then let's settle this. Let's figure out who the real God is. Let's, let's, let's figure out, let's settle out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, like God sent me here today to settle the score. I want you to go, I want you to go get your 450 prophets of Baal. Go get your 450 people here and your 400 gods of Asher. And you, King Ahab, you need to bring a mouthpiece because this ran and getting ready to go down. You bring all your friends and meet me behind the school, Mount Carmel, after class today. And let's see what happens. Let's settle this once and for all. Let's figure out who the real God is. So there's going to be a showdown. Elijah meets him out there, verse 20. It says, So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. Elijah stood up in front of this showdown and looked at the people that used to follow God. And obviously they were waffling. They, like, they, didn't know. they weren't 100% in with Baal, but they obviously were not exclusive with the God of the Bible anymore. And, and so he says, look, you got to pick. It's one or the other. Like, don't, don't be a group of people that worship the one true God on Sunday, and then you're chasing other gods Monday through Saturday. That's not how God works. you got to pick. So either, either pick Baal, pick your fame, pick fortune, relationships, comfort, money, pick all, relate, whatever you want to do over here, or... Decide right now that you're going to follow God, that this is the one true God. Pick. That's just, not, God's not going to tolerate that. That's not how God works. And Scripture says they were quiet. They knew they had been called out. They knew they were doing the wrong thing. They, they knew they had been caught by Elijah and that they called him out on it. And, and, and so here's, here's the response. Here's how we're going to settle it then in verse 22. Then Elijah said to him, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Here's what we're going to do. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces. Put it on the wood on the altar. But do not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but will not set fire to it. Then you call, you call, listen, you pray to your gods. You call out to them. You pray. You pray to your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord I will pray to the Lord. I will pray, he says. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all of the people said, what you say is good. I like this idea. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and you prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God. Pray out to your God. Pray however you want to, to your God, but do not light the fire. Pick one or the other, and, and he said, this is going to be a showdown between Baal and God. And, and like, just normally when we read this text, we don't understand how Elijah is stacking the odds against himself. Like, he's making it real hard here. Like, the championship game's getting ready to happen, and, and we're trying to pick the favorite. And he has set Baal up as the major favorite. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an altar, and you're going to put a bull on it and, and set it up, but we're not going to set fire to it. And whoever... The God is that can make fire come down from heaven and light the bull and the wood on fire, then that's the real God. So we read that and like, okay, but listen, did you know that Baal was the God of the sun? Did you know that Baal's dad, named El, 
is the God of thunder and lightning? No, no wonder the prophets of Baal's like, okay, I like that. <laughs> like, we agree with what you're saying. Because if anybody could get fire to come down from heaven, it would be the God of the sun or the God of the thunder and lightning. Like, if, if this is at all going to work, then the prophets of Baal are like, oh, okay, if that's, if that's the way you want to do it, then that's the way we'll do it. Like, man, shoot, lightning strikes all the time and calls us fires. We might just get lucky. Secondly, he says, and I want you to go first. Like, you, you go first, pray as long as you want to, and you can pick the bull. If one of those bulls looks drier than the other one, then take it. If you look at one of those bulls, I'm like, man, that one's got a lot more hair on it. It's a lot more flammable. Then take that bull. Take whatever bull you want, and you can go first. It's like getting the ball in overtime. You get the ball first. If you score, then the game's over, right? You, you take your bull, pick your bull, set it up, pray to your God, and let's see which God answers with fire from heaven. Stacking the, the odds in their favor big time. And in verse 26, they, they love that idea. In verse 26, it says, They took the bull given them, and they prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal. They prayed. They prayed. They prayed to Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. Now, you know somebody that, that plans a good prayer service? Prophets of Baal. Like, if you've never been to a Baal prayer service, these guys knew what to do. Scripture says they prayed, from, like, this wasn't no one-hour prayer service, okay? They prayed from morning until noon. Like, we're talking four, five, six hours they are praying. Scripture also says that they shouted. It was verbal. I mean, this isn't like moment of silence, okay? It's not like right before the football game starts, everybody do a moment of silence, bow your head, don't say anything. No, they're, they're yelling their prayers. They're shouting their prayers. This isn't timid people that, like, when they pray, they're real soft and, like, don't call on me to pray in public. I don't want to do it. No, they're shouting. Like, they're screaming. Scripture says they're dancing around. They're not even, like, taking a knee or, like, bowing their head in their seat and, like, this is just between you and God. This is real private. No, they're, they're running around. They're waving flags. They're shouting. They're running up and down the aisles. They're doing the whole thing. Like, these people. If you look, you want to know who prays a lot. It's the people that worship Baal. Man, these people lay it out. There's motion and action and, and long time. You're talking about somebody that prays for a long time, that says a lot of things, man, that can, that can pray longer than anybody else. It's the prophets of Baal. And after we get a little sneak peek into the prayer life, and this is the prayer life that most Christians today believe they should be doing. We need to pray better. We need to pray longer. We need to pray more. Scripture says, nothing happened. No one responded and no one answered. I wonder how many of us would be willing to admit that sometimes, man, that's what our prayer life feels like. We're pouring our heart out and we're praying and we're calling out. We feel like we're doing all the right things and saying all the right things. And Scripture says, and no one answered. Yet no response whatsoever. Finally, after a, a four or five hour prayer meeting, um, Elijah pokes his head in the door at, at noon, verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. I love this. Shout louder, he said. <laughs> Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleepy and must be awakened. <laughs> this is biblical trash talk right here. Next time you're trash talking, somebody says, you know, Christians really ought not, shouldn't do that. He's like, you know, this is in the Bible, right? Some of the greatest men of God trash talked. 
Listen to what he says. Listen, listen to this breakdown. He says, you know, first of all, maybe your God, maybe Baal is thinking somewhere. Now, you can imagine if you are the God of the world, how much you have on your mind. Sometimes you just got to back up and, and just collect your thoughts and think about all that you've done and think about all that you're doing. Maybe, maybe he just went back in his office and closed the door and he's just thinking about things. And maybe he just can't hear you. Maybe he's on a, a, a vacation. You ever thought about that? Because, I mean, come on, man, the, the, the burdens of the world on God, you got to know sometimes God's just got to get away and go to the beach. Sometimes God's just like, you know what, I'm going to put the cell phone down, I'm not going to answer any emails. That's what it is. He's in airplane mode right now. He's, in, he's, he's got a hard life, man. It's, it's, he's on vacation. Whenever he gets back, leave a message. He'll get back with you. You know he will. Just get back. And maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's asleep. Now, you know the last thing we need is a cranky bail guide. So maybe he just needs to take a nap. And you know a nap does great things for people. We don't want anybody to be cranky or mad or upset. So once he gets up from his nap, don't wake him up from the nap. That would be bad. He'd probably be in a bad mood and won't like that. Leave him for his nap. Whenever he gets up from his nap, maybe he'll hear you. Maybe he'll answer you. You know, if you look at the Hebrew, the original language here, and you, you translate this in the most coarse language, I'm not trying to be crude here, but the language translates, maybe he's relieving himself. You know, because listen, man, sometimes if a guy's got to go, a guy's got to go, man. You can't hold that. It's unhealthy. You're not supposed to be doing that. Maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's old. Maybe he just has to go to the bathroom 25 times. I don't know, man. Maybe that's where he is. He's got the door closed. You don't want to knock on the door of the bathroom when God's in there. So just like, just wait your turn. I love this. He's just like, y'all done yet? Y'all been praying for six hours. T touch the bull. Is it warm? Is there any sparks on it? Any fire whatsoever? Any smoke? Anything? No? Okay. Well, of course, they, they heard that. They did not take too kindly to it. And so that really fired them up. Verse 28, so they shouted louder. They, they, they prayed louder. And they said, no, nah, well, if, if, if six hours of prayer isn't enough, then we're going to pray longer. So in verse 28, they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed, they're praying even longer, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered, and no one paid attention. Is it not long enough? That's the problem. That's the price why our prayers aren't being answered. We're not praying long enough. So they began to pray longer. Maybe we're not yelling enough. Good bit of yelling, but maybe not enough. Let's yell a little bit louder. Hey, you know what? I bet if we start sacrificing, no way God will be able to turn his back on us. If we start cutting ourselves and God sees us suffering here on earth, surely that will force his hand to move and he will do something. And so that's exactly what they tried to do. And for the second time in Scripture, he says, after all of that, they prayed longer, they prayed harder, they prayed more religious prayers, they sacrificed more, they gave more, all of those things. That so many people are convinced that they need to do with their prayer life. It says no one answered. There was no one that paid attention. Right now, the world is filled with people that are praying. And they're praying with the same urgency and the same fervency that these prophets of Baal were praying. And they have the exact same response. They call out. They pray. They get desperate. They sacrifice. They dance. They are flailing their bodies around. They're doing everything they can think of to try to get God's attention. 
and God is silent and nothing is said. There's a difference, though, between someone that is seeking God and someone that knows God. See, there's a difference in someone that cries out to God and someone that connects with the living God. There's a difference. And so we see this, what, what everybody is saying, you should do more. If you want to have a better prayer life, do all these things. That's exactly what these people are doing. And they have nothing. And in verse 30, Elijah says, I'm tired of waiting around. It's my turn. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one from each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, these 12 stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Listen to what he does. He dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seeds of seed, a four-gallon trench around the altar that he built. He arranged the wood, stacked it up, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled up the trench. And at this point in the story, I'm like, what are you doing, Elijah? <laughs> you just did all that trash talk, <laughs> and you're making it harder for yourself. Like, you are setting yourself up for failure here. Water, he, scripture says he poured so much water on it that the water filled up the four-gallon trench that he had dug around the altar. The, the bull's wet, the wood is wet, the rocks are wet, the dirt is wet, the water is wet that fills the ditch. Man, like, what are you doing, man? Why, why are you doing this? So Elijah stacks even more odds against him. He does everything that the experts on prayer say don't do. And then finally, in, in verse 36, we see Elijah's prayer. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I'm your servant, and that I've done all of these things at your command. I've done all of these things, God, at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back to you. At the time of sacrifice, I love how that, that verse starts. At the time of sacrifice, what did Elijah do? At the time of sacrifice, Elijah stepped forward and prayed. I'm convinced that we don't see more fire fall down from heaven because too few people are willing at the time of sacrifice to step forward and pray. When your back is against the wall, when there is no way out, when there is nothing else we can do, too few men and women are willing to step forward in the time of sacrifice and pray. Now, we love to step forward and talk. We love to step forward and try to solve our own problems. We love to step forward and try to get advice from other people. We love to step forward and complain. We love to step forward and try to spend our way out of it or try to figure out what the solution is. Too few people, too few men and women of God at the time of sacrifice are willing to step forward and pray, and I'm convinced that's why we don't see fire fall down from heaven like we do in this story. 
But when everything mattered, when his life was on the line, when the reputation of God was out for debate amongst the people, these thousand people that had gathered to come see who the one true God was, at a time like that, Elijah made the decision in the time of sacrifice to step forward and pray. Listen to what he says in his prayer. This is only a two-sentence prayer, man. Whoever said that you need to pray longer, like, this is a two-sentence prayer. Like, eight hours of prayer versus a two-sentence prayer. A two-sentence prayer mentioned by a man just in a regular talking voice versus the guys that are cutting and dancing and jumping and shouting and making a big deal of it. Two sentences, this is what he says, the line that, that makes the difference, the line that that is so challenging. He says this, I have done all of these things at your command. So we don't know like the process of the conversation between God and Elijah, but Elijah tells us that everything he just did was because God told him to. God told him to build the altar. God called, told him to call out the messengers of Baal. God told him about the bull and the fire from heaven, and God said, do another bucket of water on it, another, do a third bucket of water. He says, all of these things I have done at your command because you told me to. You want to know the difference between Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Elijah didn't just pray. Elijah prayed to connect with God, heard God's voice, and did what he said. You want to be a man or a woman of prayer? You don't need to pray more. You need to connect with God, listen to what he says, and actually do it. I have done all of these things at your command. The best evidence of you being a man or a woman of prayer is not how many hours you spend in your prayer closet or how many prayers you pray. It's are you a man or a woman that knows how to disconnect from the world and connect with the one true living God, hear his voice, and do what he says. That's exactly what Elijah did here. Now you may say, okay, well, I'm, I'm interested in hearing God's voice. How do, you, how do you do that? What does God's voice sound like? Is it, I've heard some people say it's a whisper. I've heard other people say it's like a loud, booming voice. Will it happen in your sleep? Like, like, do, am I supposed to pray and then be silent and listen for an audible voice? And I've shared this before. Uh, if you want to hear God speak, you need to stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Like some, some people are praying and they're like, man, I'm just I, like, God won't say anything to me. God won't speak to me. And, and in, in a bit like I channel a little bit of my inner Elijah at that moment. And I'm like, all right, here's what I want you to do. Okay, just close your eyes. Okay. Somebody comes up to me and said, I've been praying and God won't answer. I say, close your eyes. Okay. And I want you to ask right now. Close your eyes. Bow your head. I want you to ask right now for God to speak to you. And I give it about three seconds. And then I do this. Goodness, did you see this right here? You said, were you praying that God would speak to you? Did you do what I asked you to do? Because you got to be kidding me. This is a thousand pages of God speaking to you. Are you kidding me? Like, it, he answered your prayer right now. Like, why in the world would God say something else to you if you haven't read what he's already said to you? Like, if you want to hear from God, open this book. Every area of our life, he's addressed. Everything we struggle with, everything that we face, God has given us in this book to learn from. Stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. If you want to be a man or a woman of God that, that hears God, to be a man or woman of prayer, pray with your Bible open because this is how he's going to answer you. Over a thousand pages that are preserved for a thousand years, two thousand years. 
that God says, you want to know who I am? You want to know what I say? You want to know what I think? Here, I wrote you a book. And Elisha says, I've done exactly what you've commanded me to do. That was the result of his prayer life. He connected with God and he heard from him. Baal, they didn't hear from their God. They didn't hear his voice. No one. Silence. That's the difference between them and followers of Jesus. We disconnect with the world, connect with God, and we hear his voice and we do what he says. And that's exactly what Elijah said happened. God, I'm doing this all because I heard from you and you, you told me to do it, and so I'm, I'm following you. So here's the climax of the story. It all builds up to this. Hours of them praying and flailing and talking and doing all that they're doing. And in, and in verse 38, now we see what happens after Elijah prays. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dirt, and also licked up the water in the trench. Hey man, like I, I, I don't know a lot about fire, but I've never seen water on fire before. That's got to be a pretty hot fire. Like for it to burn the dirt, like it's bad when dirt catches on fire. Like that's a hot fire. When water catches on fire, it immediately evaporates and it's gone. That's a big fire. And he says that's what happened when Elijah prayed. That's what happened, not when he voiced a prayer, but when he connected with God and he heard God and he did what God told him to do. You want fire to fall down in your life? Do you want fire to fall down in your marriage and your relationships and in your finances and with your job? Are there things that you're bringing to God saying, do something, God, do something, do something? Stop praying and start connecting with the one true God and listen to what he says and do it. And watch how your life changes. Watch fire fall down from heaven in your life when you learn how to listen to God and do what he says. You need to stop praying so much. And you need to start doing what God says. You need to stop asking for more. And take what God's given you and see how he can change your life through this. And see what would happen if men and women were more dedicated to hearing from God and connecting with him instead of being more dedicated to prayer. Fire fell down from heaven. What was the difference? They both prayed. They both said something. They both did what they thought they could do, but the, the prophets of Baal were convinced that the power and the purpose behind their prayer was simply voicing it to God. It's all about the words I use. It's all about how much I cut myself. It's all about the sacrifice involved. It's all about how long you pray and the religious words. You know what that got them? Nothing. Silence. And some guy that learned how to connect with God, said a two-sentence prayer, and water caught on fire. Imagine what would happen if you and I learned how to connect with the one true living God through prayer. Imagine how our lives were changed. The power of prayer does not hinge on your holiness or your words or your patterns or your routines or your ability to say a quick prayer before a meeting or in your car before a meal. It hinges on the God that you're connecting to. That's where all the power is. Here's the reaction. Verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I know there are, are people in this room today that haven't prayed for a long time. And the reason why is uh, maybe you are convinced that you've messed up too much. That there's no way that the creator God of the universe would want to hear from you, that he would ever entertain anything that you would ever ask for. 
Like, no way, not after what I've done. Not after the words that have come out of my mouth. Not after how long I've run from God. There's no way God is going to listen to me. There's no way God cares about what I have to say. There are other people in here that you've been praying. You've been praying every day. You've been praying for a long time. You've been doing everything you know how to do. You've been praying the Bible. You've been using prayer devotions. You pray with your eyes open and closed. You pray by yourself. You pray with others. You ask others to pray. And much like these prophets of Baal, even Christians around the world today are praying with no response. Complete silence. And the confusion that we have is we've convinced ourselves that all we need to do is talk more to God. All we need to do is pray longer or harder, standing up, sitting down, eyes closed with other people, holding hands before the meal, before I go to bed, and we're convinced that that's where the power is found, and it's not. Elijah says the power is found not in our ability to voice a prayer, but in our desire to connect with the God of the universe. And when the God of the universe speaks to us through his word, we revere that so much. It is such a big deal to hear from God that we take exactly what he tells us to do and we obey. And we pray and we listen and we hear and we obey. Not just pray and pray and pray. That's the difference between a follower of Jesus and every other world religion. They pray to pray. We pray to connect with God, to hear from Him and encounter Him in a real way. So you got a choice. Today, you can make Christianity like every other religion of the world, where you pray and you never hear from God, and you don't expect to hear anything from Him, and you never listen, and it's radio silence, or we can do what Elijah here did here, and the difference between those types of people and the people that pray to Jesus is that when we pray, we disconnect from everything else, flip it into airplane mode, and we connect with God. And connect with God in a real and true and powerful way. And we hear from God, and we do what He says. Now, you want your life to change? Stop praying and start connecting with God. You want to see something? supernatural happen in your life? Man, you're pouring your heart out, bringing these requests to God. Don't pray just to pray. Don't pray just to get better at the act of prayer. That's not the destination. Learn how to connect with God. And when the voice of God speaks to you as you commit this book to part of your prayer life, then listen to what God says and do it. That's what a real woman or man of prayer is. Don't pray more. Don't pray longer. Don't pray better. Don't pray more religious prayers. Connect with God. That's the privilege we have as followers of Jesus. That's what God allowed us through the sacrifice of his son. Just think about what would happen if in your life you learned how to connect with God, listen to him and do what he says. Then people in your family, in your sphere of influence, at your job, would look at you And just like in verse 39, if that's what real prayer is, if that's what it means to connect with God, then I want in. That is the one true God. I'm tired of praying empty, powerless prayers. Let's connect with God and see how he can change our lives.